Thank you so much for clicking and checking out this video on One Faith. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Uh, that's kind of the, the foundational text we're having. We'll look at Hebrews 11.1 1 here in a little bit too. But we're going to be looking at a message about what is One Faith having it, what's having it, what's living it. Let's pray though before we go any further. God, thank you for this awesome opportunity to learn more of your word. We thank you, Lord, that we might be able to stand for the truth. For that which can really set people free, to help them find true love, contentment, peace, joy, purpose, mission, and meaning. So Lord, use us, and may our life be an open book to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we look at this message about what is one faith, what is having one faith, what is living one faith, we have to first of all just kind of realize that your your actions reveal who you are and what you love more than what you say. In fact, if you can biblically combine the two together, then you can truly bring about God's glory and make disciples of all nations. And, and look, life isn't always going to be easy, but it is going to be better, full of meaning and purpose when we live and pursue out combining what we say and combining what we do together. And that's just, it's just the way it is. You, you know that someone can tell you that they love you, but if they don't act that way, then that means they don't truly love you. Someone can say they have faith in Jesus, but if they don't really act that way, then, then they don't really truly have faith in Jesus. Uh, the half-brother of Jesus, James, tells us in the Bible, your faith without your deeds is dead. That's just God's ruling on that. It's God's insight into that. So your uh, words... Your beliefs are all made true and in fulfillment by the way in which you act. You, um, it's it just kind of who you are and what you embody. So I encourage you to realize that if you combine what you say and what you do, you can truly change and impact other people's lives for the better. Enemies, frenemies, acquaintances, friends, best friends, lifelong friends, family, however that works you can really make a difference in that. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, we're going to see the foundation of our text. So we're going to read that. We're going to follow it along. Find it on your, your app. However you're doing your Bible, get your pens ready, your notes out um, for this. There is, in verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So in this passage of scriptures, we see lots of ones, heavenly math, one plus one plus one plus one plus one, and just keep going, equals one. We see that everywhere. And what we're finding and what we're going to be looking at specifically is one faith, the one faith that goes. And not one faith is in like all faiths are true faiths or all faith roads lead to God and Jesus Christ. They don't. They don't. There's only one faith, the Christian faith, that leads that way, that holds within it the salvation of mankind in Jesus Christ. But we're going to get to that later. Let me, let me just hit you as we're talking about faith. Let me hit you with this one thing so that you can uh, best understand it. Faith is at its best when it's obvious. You can put a lot of things in there. Love's at its best when it's obvious. When he or she know that you love them and you care for them more than anything, obvious love is really good love. 
It's when it's at its best. It's when it's active and moving. Faith is no different. Faith is at its best when it's obvious. Faith is meant to be lived out. You're saved by grace through faith, and then that's supposed to show itself in your actions. What you think, what you say, what you do, all of who you are lines up with that. And an obvious faith is a God-honoring faith. Just like a kid that is obedient and respectful and loving is honoring to the parents that have raised them in such a way that they have become honoring. So not only is it honoring for the kid to be loving and respectful, but then that rolls into um, credit and glory for the father and the mother or the family who ever raised that kid. Well done, person who raised that kid. Look how respectful and loving they are. So your faith is at its best when it's obvious. And you believe in something. You have some core set of beliefs, everybody does. Those beliefs have values, those values have actions to them, and those actions create consequences, good or bad, in the lives of ourselves and others. So you're believing in something. Even not believing in something is believing in something that you don't believe in, right? I mean, even that alone is something. So my encouragement to you is to realize that faith is at its best when it's obvious. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. When we talk about one faith, we're talking about this faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1, we're talking about the gospel message of Jesus Christ. What is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. That Christ died for the forgiveness of our sins and was resurrected according to the Bible by the power of God. That's the great news of the gospel message. That God died for, Jesus died for on the cross all your wrongdoings, all your wrong sayings, and all your wrong thinkings. Everything that's wrong about you, that's out of kilter, that isn't right and good, and there's a lot of that which Jesus died for, for all of us, I'm included in that. We see here that that's the good gospel message. That only in Jesus Christ, only saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, can we have any hope of true meaning, purpose, mission, influence, transformation, can we even really know what love is without being a Christian? No, not, not really. You, just, you can't. Can we know what it is to have strength when we're weak without Jesus Christ? Nope, not really. But you might be thinking, but Nathan, I've, I've had these things. I've experienced love. I've, I've had strength and weaknesses. I've worked hard and worked my way out of things. And I would just say to you, as great as that moment was, it's so much greater, almost incomparable, really, to what that would be as if Christ had done that in and through you. Our, well, I, I just think of the great masters of the Renaissance period as artists, sculptors and painters and architects, all of those folks. And I think about what I create or what I would draw or what I Lego with my kids. And it doesn't even compare to some of those great masterpieces that existed then. And if I can look at that and know that there's so much more, it just gives me a better understanding that, that faith in God and living in Christ is so much greater than any life I could live in something else, some other religion, some other faith, some other sort of focus or point or purpose. All, all of that is, is shadow. It's darkness. It's less than. But when we're in Christ under this one faith of Jesus, then we can love. Then we can live. Then we can really make a difference. Then we can be having assurance that we're going to heaven. And so it all starts with salvation. Joel 2.32, Call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Ephesians 2.8.9, You are saved by grace through faith, not by works. Pastor praying over you doesn't save your soul. Jesus Christ saves your soul. Going to church makes you a better Christian. 
Being a part of a local church and serving others, living generously, make you a better Christian, doesn't save you. No works or amount of goodness save your soul. Only forgiveness of your sins in Jesus Christ will do that. That's the one faith. And it's unique to Christianity above all other religions, made up religions, rock worship, self-worship, people worship, body worship, whatever that is, cow worship, statue worships, all of that stuff is fake and hollow. But the one faith of the Christian faith, that's where you'll find all that you're looking for. And even great treasures you didn't even know were out there. But you're so glad you found. So it all starts with salvation. And I would say to you, don't wait for today. Get saved right now. Today's too long. Do it right now. Be saved. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Do not wait. Confess. Say, God, be Lord and leader, love of my life. Son of God, lead me. Now, when we look at Hebrews uh, 11, 1, here's what we see, right? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So you've got in the first part, it's talking about faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel message is an assurance of the things hoped for. Why do you even need that assurance? Why do you need assurance? Because there are things in this life that are going to try to shake you. They're going to try to knock you off kilter. There are things in this life that are going to be difficult for you. That's why this assurance brings about this mental image of embracing a firm foundation of substance. We live here on the coast. We know without a firm foundation, the next hurricane that comes through is going to blow your house away. But if you've got a firm foundation and the right infrastructure for that, your house can survive. Your house can survive. And our faith and our life need to be built on a firm foundation. As a Christian, you are saved, but you're not always safe from the troubles of this world. That's John 16, 33. It isn't always easy to be a Christian. And the world likes to make it super hard on us. And wants to make it very difficult to turn to that. But make it super easy to stay enslaved to hurts, habits, and hang-ups your whole life. So that it can master you and that it can control you. But Jesus wants to set us free. So we embrace this assurance. And what's the assurance? That nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 38, 39. No matter how bad it gets or how awesome it gets for you, you can still know that you can live for Christ and not be shaken and not lose your faith. That's what the one faith does. That's Romans 8, 38 through 39. This our hope in Christ, saved from all of the world's troubles, though not always safe. Look, life's hard. I don't have to tell you that. Literally watch the news for three minutes. You'll know. Read your news feed. Scroll through. You'll see. The world's lost its mind. But you know, hasn't lost its mind. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. They've all those guys haven't lost their mind. And Christians haven't either. At least we shouldn't be. And if you have, let this be orienting. You were saved by grace. You're going to heaven when you die. And too many people are filling up hell when they die. We need to do something about that. People need hope again. They need truth and peace. And it's up to us to go out there and live it. To invite them to our online Bible studies. To invite them to our local churches. To invite them over to our homes. To invite them into a relationship with Jesus. To invite them to have hope and pray and put their trust in the one faith that can really save them, Christianity and Jesus Christ. I don't even know why we're messing around. I mean, I think God's made it so obvious that the world is just falling apart. Literally can read prophecies and scriptures and see it portrayed exactly online, exactly in our world, 
and in our communities. We need, just need to wake up. Stop sleeping. Stop sleeping. The second part of Hebrews 11, 1 reads this way, the conviction of things not seen. Um, conviction is something that's revealed. It's a tested proof of evidence. Maybe the easiest thing to think of is like a courtroom. They bring in witnesses. A person gets convicted because the evidence mounts against them that they did this. So are you doing this thing, sir? And then all the way it's like, yes, yes, I saw them. I saw them. I saw them. Well, you're kid convicted. You're found guilty of being a Christian. You're found guilty of doing this thing because there's evidence. There's actions in your life that shows and pushes that you are actually a believer. So when we talk about conviction of our faith, it's saying we are so sold on Jesus, so bought into who He is, such a prisoner of Jesus Christ that we will live that out in our actions so a person would look at us and go, that person's guilty of being a Christian. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I don't be guilty of worshiping rocks or myself. I don't be guilty of pursuing the almighty dollar or other relationships is my most point of fulfillment. Though God uses all of those things to bring great joy in my life, relationships and finances and, and um, pleasures and joys. God uses all those things. And they're so much sweeter and richer, really as they should be because of that. So when we talk about conviction, we need to have that assurance as Christians that, that faith provides for us and helps us to biblically prove what we believe through our priorities. That's James two seventeen through 18. If you have faith in Jesus, it should be obvious. People should know. And more than just a good person junk. More than just he's so nice, she's so nice. She's always helpful with projects when she's loaded down at work. He's always helping with this and that. They should be like, why is that person doing it? And their answer should be of you because they're a Christian, because they love Jesus Christ. And they want others to experience that. They want to live that out. Even if they hate Christians, they should be like, well, that's at least what a loving Christian should look like. Jesus looks like them. They look like Jesus. Man, that would be, it would be awesome if our neighbors could say that about us. It would just be incredible. Really change the world. It really would. It would change the world. That's for sure. We also see that if we embrace this insurance and live out our convictions, and everybody does, they eat at the same restaurants, they watch a certain kinds of shows and movies, they listen to kind of music because they have this conviction inside of them to go, that's what I believe is the best. We root for sports teams. We have our own preferences of the best parts of the country. We, we all have these convictions of things we believe in. And here, we're simply saying in scriptures, as Hebrews eleven six would show us, if we live out our faith, it will draw people to God and make it easier for them to have a relationship with Jesus through gospel-centered living. That's your call gospel-centered living that's your push when we've got one faith what do we got christians we got nothing to lose when we die heaven we live christ what can the world do to us take our life yes take our rights sure but still it is of well as paul would say they are light and momentary troubles compared to living out your faith in that. My prayer for you is that your bones will burn to share Jesus Christ with others. That you'll wake up in the middle of the night because the Holy Spirit nudged you awake and said, hey, here's a way we can generously care and love for people. We can actually invite people and ask them to come. Something simple. If they say no, you're no worse off. They weren't going to probably come anyway unless you invited them. Because 90 plus percent of the people that ever come to church 
is because of an invitation and someone they know. That has not changed throughout human history. We've not figured out any way better to get people to the Jesus than one disciple inviting someone who's not yet a disciple to come see who Jesus is, like Andrew did and Nathaniel did, like Peter did for the Jews and Paul did for the Gentiles. There's no better replacement than you just inviting people that, that you love, inviting people that you care about, inviting people you don't necessarily love or care about and say, hey, would you come meet Jesus? Come have some burgers at my house. Come to my local church. Find a place to belong. Welcome home. So I would just encourage you in all of this to remember the one thing. That your faith in Jesus Christ is at its best when it's obvious. I made a comment on our online Bible study this week that I felt like Indiana Jones because I've been treasure hunting uh, in all the places I go to see who in the room's Christian and who's not. And you can do it loving. You don't have to be like weird about it. You don't have to wave your Bible around. But you can certainly talk and use language and share examples from your story and give God praise and give God credit in a way that does that. And you'd be amazed at how many people are just unearthed in those conversations in lobbies and outside and on neighborhoods and in neighborhoods that are Christians that you just never would have known. But as you rise and as you for Christ and as you bring God glory and you strive to make disciples of all nations, when you do that, then other people are inspired to do that as well. It really encourages others to get along and encourages others to speak out on that. And I don't have to tell you that that's how people work. Watch the news. Watch protests turn to riots. And riots turn to violence. Just watch that. A group of people getting together, empowering each other for destructive ends. But imagine if the Christians stood up in their neighborhoods and said, let's empower each other for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control the world would literally become a better place. Or you know what? Don't even worry about the world. Your home, your work cubicle, your work garage, your neighborhood, all better because of one faith in Jesus Christ, the gospel message that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and mine so that we might be forgiven, not go to hell, go to heaven, and live a life of hardship, yes, and trouble and tribulations, but never abandoned and always prided for by the Father. Let's pray. God, we think of those in our life that aren't Christians. There's relatives and friends, people from our past, even those people we've yet to meet. We pray for them. Those watching and listening right now, going, man, I don't have, my faith lets me down all the time. I put my faith in this and I put my faith in that and economy and jobs and people and relationships and it just keeps letting me down. Well, you're right, they do. Only people that's never going to let you down is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Never. So as you wrestle, stop wrestling. Let go of all those other things and grab on to God. God, we pray now that you will forgive them of their sins and that they'll ask you for that. All their wrongdoings and wrong thinkings, wrong sayings. Forgive them, Lord. May they live for you and find the great joy of Jesus as their Lord, leader, and love of their life. And God, as Christians, may we work so very hard at bringing you glory and sharing your name among all others. And not that that work will save our soul, that only is that it's just a free gift of grace through faith in Jesus Christ. 
But after we're saved, might we live fully for you. Help us, Lord, to be all that we can everywhere we go to share the fruit of the Spirit with people and encourage them. Lord, help our faith to be obvious and help us to have the discernment through the Holy Spirit to know how to do that, to share the truth in love, to bring you glory, to make disciples through gospel-centered living. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Have a great and wonderful rest of the day.